You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Hello and welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. This is your co-host, Danny. And we have a packed show for you. We're actually going to talk about the uh, Bulls docuseries, and it has been absolutely phenomenal. And we'll focus in on episodes five and six. Um, and then we're getting, we'll get into our trading card scenario and where we'll actually discuss Draymond Green against Dennis Rodman. Danny, let me tell you, this Bill's docuseries has been absolutely phenomenal. They are going to win an award or multiple awards. Again, I don't know what the highest award is uh, from an Emmy perspective when it comes to documentaries, but they are going to get it. This thing has been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and I would just say one of the things that I really noticed in this these particular episodes, the Kobe Bryant tribute. Um, to start things off. Rest in peace, Kobe. Uh, we do miss you. I would just say to see the footage of Kobe when he was living, uh, his first All-Star game, to see and hear Jordan uh, talk about Kobe in the locker room, <laughs> how young he is, how he's going to just focus in on his offense, and Jordan's going to make him work down on the defensive end. And that was some classic stuff, man. And an awesome, awesome piece of footage that makes this documentary award-winning. No, I agree, Jason. It was sad to see Kobe there. Like you said, rest in peace, Kobe. Like he mentioned, too, where everyone was saying about him going at Jordan, and he was trying to absorb so much and just be a sponge because that's someone he looked up to, and it was his idol, and he was right there next to him in the All-Star game. And for him to be there and have the opportunity to talk to him and build that relationship over time was invaluable. Like I said, it was sad to see him, but it was cool at the same time to know and how he appreciated Jordan and how he modeled his game after. Uh, and I would just say, for those of you who have not actually read Kobe's book, Mama Mentality, what you just said, Danny, is exactly what that book really had in it in terms of asking questions, not being afraid to ask questions, not be, not being afraid to really pick somebody's brain, especially not only your idol, but someone who is a veteran who can give you some form of knowledge. So just like what you said, you know, he was soaking up all the knowledge and everything, man. That's exactly what's in his Mamba Mentality book. So I highly recommend that book. If you're feeling a little down or just need a little uh, motivation, I highly recommend that book and all. So again, rest in peace, Kobe. So with, with that, man, the other thing I recognize in the part five and six has been in the 92 finals and the Bulls in the Trailblazers finals, how Jordan did the shoulder shrug. I think it was game one. I mean, Jordan really psyched himself up uh, as everybody was really claiming that Clyde Drexler was Jordan's match, if you will. Jordan was like, hell no. Uh, let me just go ahead and show you a little something right quick. <laughs> let me drop Let me drop these threes on you right quick. 
And then let me do this shoulder shrug because I don't have no idea what's going on, man. The 92 Bulls finals was this. It was a good watch. Uh, what say you? That brought back memories, man. Um, I was a big supporter of Portland in that series because Terry Porter from Milwaukee, Stevens Point grad. Uh, was speak on it. Speak on it. Big fan. Uh, my, my uncle actually played ball with him back in college. So I was cheering him on. I wanted to see him get his first ring. And it, it brought me back where it was everyone was hyping up the matchup between Clyde and Jordan and now seeing it from Jordan's perspective, because that's what this docuseries has been doing, pulling that curtain back just to know his mentality going into the series and saying what he was going to do to Clyde Drexler was crazy. So I see why the series went the way it did, how Jordan burnt them in that series, because he was just pissed off about everyone giving Clyde all this hype and he ate Clyde up. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, man, listen, Bulls one and six, uh, and Jordan actually averaged 35.8 a game on them. Four rebounds, close to five rebounds a game, six and a half assists a game. So, yeah, Jordan, he wasn't playing around. Uh, he really wanted to prove his point. Uh, Clyde led the Trailblazers with about 25 a game, uh, about eight boards a game uh, with five assists. So, Clyde was, you know, he was doing his thing uh, and everything, but Jordan was like, no, no, let me just go ahead and just let the record show that I am Michael Jordan. So there's no comparison to me. That was what he was really wanting to prove, and he did it. Yeah, and I... The other interesting thing on, on this docu-series has been um, the showcase of, in my opinion, man, just the whole uh, cigar smoking of Jordan and during his playing days. And I was like, dang, man, he was doing all this while smoking a cigar. Now, I don't smoke at all, and I don't – I mean, obviously you hear about the uh, potential effects or what have you. Uh, I don't know yep. the difference from a, the cigarettes to, to the cigar. I would imagine, though, that Jordan, if he was playing in this day and age and he saw what the athletes were doing and he actually saw the nutrition levels and the workout routines and stuff, hey, man, listen, I think Jordan would have enough enough willpower to be like, I'm not going to go ahead – and continue to smoke these cigars. Uh, let me go ahead and handle my business and in the show on what it's all about. I believe Jordan would have done that. And for him to smoke the cigars and he dropping 35, averaging 35 on you in the NBA finals like that, man, come on. Yeah. But the one thing was too, where he did change his nutritional plan and, and then started doing more weights, but he still was like, he had to have that cigar. <laughs> and I'm curious when in the next upcoming series, when they chronicle like the 95, 96, 97, 98, if they show that if he's doing the same thing, because mm -hmm. he was younger, too. So this is 92, 93 time frame mm -hmm. versus him being a little older. So I'm curious in the upcoming shows, that's still the case. If he's I know he does it. And he said he does it now, you know, because he golfs all the time. He's he lighting up a cigar no matter lighten what. Lighten it up, boy. Lighten it up. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just curious with 
like the Sonics and all of them when they play them in these upcoming shows. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If it's the same thing. You know, the other interesting thing, though, too, was the whole gambling piece that was brought about and where some people thought that, asked a question, does Michael have a gambling problem? And this all stemmed from, you know, he and his father going to going to Atlantic City and actually gambling and coming back 1230, you know, time for curfew. Does Jordan have a gambling problem? Hey, man. Jordan was just like, hey, I got a competition problem. And it's just a matter of kind of releasing stress, kind of getting away from it all. I thought that was really interesting to kind of, you know, play back. So I do remember, I was like, man, that that's going to be a shatter to his image. The one time that finally the media has, quote unquote, gotten Jordan on the whole gambling thing. Um, we'll just tear him down now. Just as the media builds you up, they can tear you down. This was their tear down opportunity. Uh, I thought that was very interesting to really see during this docuseries. Yeah, I think too, with that, the two cases where they chronicled the golf with the two individuals, I was thinking about it was documented, but it wasn't really pushed as hard as if he was doing that today. And someone was like, oh, look who he's with. Mm -hmm. And look who he's with again. And then there's a timeline behind it. This was all ported in multiple sources versus now in the new media is there's timelines behind everything. And would that have impacted him in today's day and age worse than it did at that time? Obviously it impacted him. It put a lot of pressure on him because this was all unwanted media that was brought upon him due to what he was going through with the golf betting and gambling. But that's one of the things that I've been thinking about watching the show is what was going on then? How would that be played out now? That's where I'm looking at like, okay. Cause he was like, I didn't know this guy from Adam, but he was with some people that I play golf with. We play golf and I didn't know his background. Well, listen, I think the media got scared when they saw this joker named Slim with that juicy curl and everything, man. And they probably was like, man, Jordan playing with the brother named Slim. Now, in our community, hey, man, hey, that's just how it is, man. Hey, Lee Slim was out there playing golf. He yeah. was dressed right. He was out there golfing, trying to get his, trying to get paid. Uh, but come to find out, Slim ran into some trouble, and Jordan had to get on that stand and yeah. had to go ahead and testify So on this gambling debt. So that's another documentary that needs to be made. Hey, man, where's Slim at right now? That's what we want to know. Where's Slim at right now, man? That would be an interesting docuseries. This the, that whole part and where who Jordan <laughs> played golf with and how he trash talked them and everything, man. That that'll be that'll be interesting, man. So mm -hmm. but no, the gambling part piece definitely uh resonated through through all this because I think that was the first time that that was a quote unquote crack in uh Jordan's image, uh, if you will, in the media's eyes. The, the other thing that I found interesting was the dream team trash talking sessions during practice, man. That was just absolutely amazing. Yes. We got a glimpse. No, we've seen, you know, the video clips of the practice before. And we, we knew they were trash talking, but we didn't know exactly what was being said on the court. And just to how severe, how competitive the game was, man. Hey, man, Magic throwing balls in the stands and everything. 
<laughs> uh, people not getting calls, all that stuff, man. And I think what it, w- what it was all about was the transference of power yep. from one era to another. And, you know, Larry was hurt. Larry was probably over there sitting, you know, back injury, like, hey, man, they can have it, man. We had our time. They them not have it. And Magic was like, hell no, nah, man. You have to earn this right here. <laughs> <laughs> we going to go ahead and compete on this thing. So, uh, kudos Magic on that. Eventually, Magic and Bird just had to go ahead and sit down somewhere. And and like Zora said, there's a new sheriff in town. And they said, too, Magic wouldn't leave it alone. Magic's team was beating Jordan's team the whole practice. And Magic kept going at Jordan, poking the bear, poking the bear, poking the bear. And then he went off. And like Magic said, we're up eight and then we're down two in like no time. <laughs> he said, hey, you may need to bring out Air Jordan. And that just got Jordan going, man. So, hey, Magic, you should just let let it be, man. You should let it be. But even just, the like you said, with the trash talking, but, like, when they're even taking pictures, they're talking smack to each other. Yeah, man. When they're talking about the files. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and that's, you know, the the camaraderie. Yes. It was competitive, but it was was good camaraderie. Uh, the atmosphere was good and everything. And, and mm-hmm. that kind of brings me back to the whole Isaiah Thomas piece, man. I don't know if the camaraderie or in this, the atmosphere would have been like that if Isaiah Thomas would, was on a team. He had a lot of issues with some people, man. Um, issues with, you know, Pippen, Carl Malone from what I hear. Bird, Magic. Um, especially Magic, yeah. You know, and based upon what Jordan said, man, Jordan respects Isaiah Thomas. He even said he's the second greatest point guard ever in the league behind Magic. So I think, you know, game-wise, Jordan going to respect that. Now, will he be joking with Isaiah, stuff like that, if he was on the team? No, I don't think so, man. He ain't joking with him. I don't think so, man. I think that really would have just, you know, messed up the whole atmosphere. You got to think, though, too. These players are going to be together for a couple of months, just about all day, every day. Do you want to deal with Isaiah Thomas then? I mean, you know. Yep, I agree. I think it was um, just the dynamic of it. And what all went into that to keep Isaiah off the team? I would say everyone's pointing the finger at Jordan. Right. But if other players, too, fell in that same where it was, yeah, but not knowing behind the scenes, and that's something we'll never know, I guess. Right. The other thing I really noticed in this doc series, man, has been that 1993 finals. After the Dream Team uh, winning the gold medal, Charles Barkley actually led the scoring on the Dream Team. Later in, in that NBA year, they end up meeting in the finals and where uh, it was a very interesting series, man. I, I remember that series and I was like, man, this is going to be a hell of a series here. I really thought, man, is, is this going to be the end of, of the Bulls' run? They both were going at it, man. Jordan and Barkley were going at it. Made me think, man, as I was watching those highlights, I was like, man, Jordan is straight balling. And then Barkley was straight balling, too. It's amazing what Jordan actually did uh, in terms of, man, he averaged 41. Jordan averaged 41 points in that finals. Not only that, but eight and a half rebounds, 6.3 assists per game. Based upon the stats, there's there are only two other people who averaged 40 plus in the NBA Finals. One being 
where he averaged 40.6 points per game on 43% shooting. He actually played for the Lakers, obviously, and they played the Celtics, and where the Celtics, uh, led by Bill Russell, actually beat the Lakers uh, in seven games. But not only did Elgin Baylor average 40 a game, man, he brought down 17.9 rebounds a game, man. 18 rebounds a game, man. So 40 and 18, that's how Elgin Baylor went ahead and did it. The other person was Rick Barry. Golden State Warriors played uh, the 76ers, where Rick Barry averaged 40.8 on 40% shooting. Uh, so again, Jordan is one of the three people in NBA history to average over 40 points a game uh, in the NBA Finals. In that year, in 1993, that Jordan did it, he shot, man, let me tell you, he shot 50% from the field, 40% from three-point land. So Jordan was straight balling in that NBA Finals, man. What say you? Another item that was brought to the forefront was Jerry Krause's love for Dan Marley, which ticked Jordan off. And he made it a point to go at him that series. So just like the Clyde Drexler piece, where he was motivated by everyone comparing him to Clyde Drexler, he didn't like how Jerry Cross liked Dan Marley and his defense. And he was the, the second coming, so to speak. Again, back in the day, I was hoping Phoenix beat them. Because I, I was like, <laughs> somebody got to knock him off. And the way Barkley was playing, Man. And you look at it, man, that game one, if they wouldn't have froze, mm-hmm. Barkley's words, not mine, just due to them being in, and a lot of them being, this is their first time playing in the championship, including Barkley, mm-hmm. where the moment got got to him. So that one game came back to bite him at the end, also went six, where in game six, they should have won, them being Phoenix. And they had a couple collapses at the end where Jordan went to the basket, scored right away, and then famous John Paxson shot three-pointer to win it all. It brought back memories again of that series, but just hearing the Dan Marley been on it and what motivated Jordan to go off in that series was fascinating to me because that was something I never knew. Absolutely fascinating to hear that 93 finals was something else. But I think when when you think about the pressures that – Jordan was under. Uh, he put the pressure on himself too. He wanted to get that three P. Uh, Magic, yes. Bird, and Isaiah Thomas uh, hadn't done that, so he wanted something that they, the greats, hadn't done. So he put that pressure on himself. And uh, I remember, uh, I believe, it was Steve Kerr. I believe indicate. No, no, sorry, not Steve Kerr, but it was uh, someone. I can't remember who uh, indicated that. Paxson. Thank you. It was John Paxson indicated that it wasn't necessarily joy after that final series. It was actually relief. And I think it was because Mm -hmm. of the pressure, especially with the whole gambling situation. Uh, Interestingly enough, they prevailed and his teammates uh, went ahead and, you know, helped Jordan out, even though Jordan had a phenomenal series. The same thing. uh, And I don't think enough kudos are given to the John Paxson's and the Steve Kerr's. When you think about, the Bulls championship runs, the three, both the three-peats, they had a shooter. They always doubled on Michael. Michael always found them at the, at the end, or, or Michael was reminded uh, by Phil to say, hey, Paxton is open on that end, man. Come on. You got to show him the light, how to win that championship. So uh, I don't think Paxton and Steve Kerr get enough kudos on winning championships. 
Uh, that was an excellent series. And to add to that was the other reason I thought Phoenix was going to win that series back in the day was the New York Knicks series that preceded that series where the Knicks and the Bulls went six games. The Knicks won the first two. And I remember being back in high school, everybody thought it was over. Everyone <laughs> came <laughs> Knicks fans. <laughs> and, uh, but that series was brutal. Mm-hmm. Like just the physicality of the, the series, the cats were getting clothesline, hit upside the head, and the Knicks gave the Bulls everything they had, man. The infamous Charles Smith with the, <laughs> the shots close to the basket. Just if you look at that replay again now, just the defense mm-hmm. and the physicality underneath the hoop, him being what Charles Smith was probably like six eight, six nine, somewhere mm-hmm. near, and him being point blank right there, but that's how much Jordan and them wanted it. And that showed him trying, like you said, trying to get that three-peat. Nate went all out because he was hearing it about the 2-0 and the gambling thing came up again with him going to Atlantic City. That contributing to him not playing well mm-hmm. those first two games. That's where I thought tying his back to Phoenix. The New York series was going to wear them down enough where they weren't going to be able to beat Phoenix. But We got actually Charles Smith at 6'10". There you go. Oh, so he was a big body, man. Let me ask you this, man. Was Charles Smith fouled? Yes. <laughs> hey, man. But, but he was fouled man, multiple he times. Hacked. Man. He got hacked. I remember us talking yeah. about this at, at school. We talked about this at school, man. Hey, man, he got fouled, man. But there was like, you know, in that time and place, where they going to call it? Right. Knowing what, what was at stake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was an awesome series back in the day, man. I remember staying up watching all those games because they were intense. Definitely. Definitely, man. That's the title how basketball was in the uh, 90s, man, early 90s, uh, late 80s. Uh, that's just how it was. Mm-hmm. Went to the next year, too, when Jordan left. The Knicks and Bulls played again. It was just as physical and rough yep. as that series was in 93. Those were the things that we we noticed within this particular set in the episodes five and six. Uh, we definitely look forward to the future episodes. I'm hoping that they actually create more um, i think the demand is going to be there uh, we'll just we'll see if they will supply it to us uh, but one thing i noticed within this docu series so far i haven't seen craig hodges I haven't seen Craig Hodges at all, man. All this footage, all this footage that has been showcased so far, I haven't seen Craig Hodges. And Craig Hodges was basically on, I mean, he was on the 91 championship team and the 92 championship team. He's a dead-eye three-point shooter. I mean, he he's won the three-point contest uh, multiple times. Just haven't really seen him, but... One of the things that I really noticed uh, in doing some research here has been in the 91 NBA Finals when the Bulls played the Lakers. We actually had, I noticed that Craig Hodges actually went to both Magic and Jordan to ask them to go ahead and protest. Protest from uh, playing in this championship game. Now, Jordan was like, uh, no, nah, man, we ain't going to do that. And I'm, I'm saying that politely. <laughs> Uh, and Magic was like, no, that's that's a little bit extreme. Jordan basically said, 
that Hodges was crazy. And this was this request that Hodges made was due to the the 91 riots uh, when it came to Rodney King. That part there was really interesting to learn. The other thing I found interesting about what Craig Hodges did was uh, when they, meaning the Bulls, went to the uh, White House and they went ahead and visited President Bush. The uh, Craig Hodges went there with a letter. And I always heard about this letter, um, but I didn't know what was in the letter or what was stated in the letter. Uh, and I did a little research and found what was in it. And so I'm just going to really uh, read a quote here. And this is actually from uh, the Chicago Tribune, dated today, Thursday, May 7th. It's dated today, Thursday, May 7th, but it was initially written by Sam Smith, October 7th, 1991. In part, the letter read, uh, the purpose of this notice is to speak on behalf of poor people, Native Americans, homeless and most specifically African-Americans who are not able to come to this great edifice. Being a descendant of African slaves, I feel it is very important our plight uh, be put on a list of priorities. Uh, it must be clear that the African-American community is unlike any other. Uh, we have a young sector of our, we have, excuse me, we have a sector of our population that is being described as endangered species. Um, that is the young black man and the inner cities are in a state of emergency because of the violence we inflict on one another. Uh, the letter further goes on, and I won't read the rest of it as it's pretty lengthy, but uh, I think you kind of get the idea there. And just the fact that he had the courage at the point of celebration to go to the White House, uh, give the president a letter, uh, I mean, I commend him for that. Uh, but back in 1991, Craig Hodges uh, went, ahead, went to the White House provided the letter. Now, President Bush did with it. I don't know. I always did hear about the letter. Never knew what exactly was in it. So uh, shout out to Craig Hodges. Having said all that, Craig Hodges, I will say that in looking at the stats here in the 91 finals, and I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that the Bulls didn't use you as, I'm surprised they didn't use you more. See that Craig Hodges 10 minutes worth of playing time per game, about 3.8 points a game. So that may be like a three-pointer made each, you know, each time out. 92 finals, they didn't use you really at all. Uh, three minutes played per game, one point a game uh, in that championship run. But nonetheless, man, you were lethal three-point shooter, won the three-point contest. You are a social activist, and, and kudos to you, sir. And still holds I was, the record for most three-pointers made in a row in the three-point contest at 19. I want to say it is, yeah. Kudos to Craig Hodges. For the trade scenario, we have Draymond Green versus Dennis Rodman. Thought these athletes, these greats were uh, comparable. Uh, as we're talking about the Bulls, uh, we wanted to compare Dennis Rodman to who Dennis Rodman could be in today's game, and that would be Draymond Green. So with that, what, let's say you, Danny, who would you... Uh... We're looking at right now, you have Dennis Rodman's 1988 Fleer rookie card and Draymond's 2012 Panini rookie card. 
who are you taking? As Jason knows, I'm a big Rodman fan. I always appreciate how hard he played. He gave his body up. He was always for the team when he was inside those lines. I know he got out, out of pocket sometimes with some of the things he did on the court, but more times than not, when they needed him in those championships, he was there for the team with Detroit and Chicago. But Rodman was very specific in his role and how he contributed to the team from a rebounding perspective. Draymond, he can get you points, rebounds, assists, steals. So he could be more of your triple-double threat. And as I was looking at this, from a talent perspective, in my opinion, they're comparable. Uh, just due to the impact they have on the game and the defense they played and they weren't relied on for bat or for offense. Draymond had some big shots. Robin had some big shots. Overall, in a rookie card scenario, I'm going to take Draymond Green's rookie card. What? <laughs> yes, I am. Looking at the value, the impact with Draymond now cards versus the Fleer card, the rarity of rookie cards and things like that. Taking all that into consideration, I'm taking Draymond Green's rookie card. If I'm starting, if I'm taking a team, I'm looking at Dennis Rodman. And you're thinking about right now, not back Yeah, I'm talking game. right now. The rookie cards. Jason, how about you? What are you thinking with this? Two-time All-Star, five-time NBA champ, eight-time All-Defensive team, seven-time rebounding champ, two-time All-NBA, two-time Defensive Player of the Year. He actually averaged more points. Having said all that, listen, I'm going Dennis Rodman. Don't get me wrong. I, I do like Draymond in the scheme. He actually goes about pushing the ball. Uh, I feel confident with the ball in his hands when he brings the ball up. But when we talk about someone who can change the game with respect to rebounding, defense, I got to lean towards Dennis Rodman. Draymond, three-time All-Star, five-time All-Defensive team, two-time All-NBA. Uh, he has won one Defensive Player of the Year. But, man, Rodman just changed the game. And I will say this. Rodman, in his career, he actually morphed into something completely different. To that point, talent-wise, I'm taking Rodman. Card, physical card, if we're doing a trade, I'm trading. I'll, I'll take Draymond over Rodman's card. As a basketball player, I'm taking Rodman. I totally agree with you on that. It's the card in this case that I'm going with Draymond Green. Yeah, Rodman, shut down defender. I, I'm going with Rodman on this, even with the card. Not even, okay, take talent aside, okay? I've got to go with the card. Reason being is because Rodman was really, when you think about a superstar, off the court, that has to be some kind of value there. See, that's where I think Rodman, since he's been done playing, mm -hmm. he's he's run into a lot of different things in his life, some th some hardships and things where his his card has devalued over time. If it was immediately after to his career, then I'm taking his card. It might go up now with the docuseries, but Draymond's has more value right now from a trading card perspective. I'm taking Dennis Rodman, man. I'm going to hold on to that. First of all, we, that's a Dennis Rodman without any tattoos and stuff like that, man. So it, that's yes. going to be a rarity from here on out. Uh, that's a Dennis Rodman before the coloring of the hair, before the nose rings, all that stuff, and the lip rings and all that stuff, man. I'm taking Dennis Rodman. Yep. Uh, I think that's more valuable, and he's he's known globally.
and I will take Draymond Green's card. And like I'm qualifying the heck out of this, saying from a talent standpoint, I'm with you. I'm taking Rodman. Physical card, I'll take Draymond Green's card. All right, there you have it. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backporchtalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backporchtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.